Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Big Apple Film Festival Producers Networking. I'm Diane Wheeler, and I'll be moderating for today. And we're just waiting for our speaker to come on in a couple of minutes. And I'd like to invite everybody to ask questions in our Q&A, and I'll get to them as soon as possible. And uh, today is going to be fun. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Anne. I'll get to that um, as soon as we are joined by our speaker. Hi, Kwame. Hi, Kwame. Can you hear, hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yes, perfect. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Sorry I'm late. Am I late? <laughs> oh, barely. Barely. You're allowed. Um, so yeah, here we are at the Big Apple Film Festival, our producer's networking session. We have um, today with us Kwame Parker. Kwame, thank you again for being here. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, thank you for having me. I think this is a great format. Um, one of the things I've always said is that, you know, there's not there's never been a better time to be a filmmaker, especially with all the pipelines um, of people wanting, I hate the word content, but wanting, you know, stories. Mm -hmm. um, so where I've come from, I'm basically a freelance uh, producer. I'm now an executive at uh, Netflix, but basically worked my way up literally from an office PA all the way up to executive producing, um, many things along the way. One of them, the, you know, the last film I did before Netflix was Green Book, mm -hmm. which, you know, had the privilege of, you know, winning Best Picture. Yes, fantastic. Um, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was fun. Um, so amazing trajectory, like you said, starting off as a PA and then being executive producer for a, a film that uh, won an Oscar. So, so, so happy that you're here. Um, we have a couple of questions already coming up for you. Um, the first one is, uh, my question is, my drama, my dramedy short film won awards at festivals and we develop it now at, and developing it now as a comedy series. What advice would you give on how and where to approach streaming platforms like Netflix? Um, so it's already been, so I guess it's a, it's something that's already made or is being developed? It's already been made and they've won films at fest, won awards at festivals. I mean, one of the things, look, it's Netflix is still um, 
structured like a studio. So a lot of content that comes to us is through agents and representations and reps. Um, so that's always a platform that works for quick access. Um, another thing though, I've always sat there and said, what I love about technology right now is that with things like, let's call it YouTube or whatever that's out there, if it starts to generate enough buzz or like you want to call it likes or views or whatever, everyone seems to get wind of that real quick. And then we will start reaching out to you or people will start reaching out to you to figure out or gain a little bit more insight into the project, the title, ownership of it how it could be something bigger. I mean, these are things that always seem to snowball. And I think getting that momentum for that snowball effect is really um, what you want to strive for. Mm -hmm. So so you would encourage uh, filmmakers to use social media? To Absolutely. Them. Yeah. It is, it is such, it's because it's, it's such a quick adrenaline shot right now. Like, you know, as opposed to what it was before where it was like, you know, you would have almost like a bottleneck where you'd have to go through, someone would have to wait on it and look at it. Mm -hmm. And I call it an adrenaline shot because, you know, look, we see everything that's happening with social media, but it gets instant access to the public to where you get a lot of people mm -hmm. that don't like that, either PR firms because their clients are just saying whatever they want on a Twitter or Instagram or whatever. But you take the other side of that, you know, that instant access to, you know, hundreds of millions of people right. and they will find you or they can find you just based on, you know, something going viral. Mm -hmm. And that's globally. Correct. And, right. And I think about, you know, we used to just have, you know, posters like the ones behind you. We'd walk past the <laughs> theater and that would be our, you know, find out about my film. But um, and festivals are so much more accessible now because you can attend them online. And No, I, and I think to your point, like you, we used to market and, you know, used to be able to market your own films by running around with, to your point, posters and literally, you know, painting them on, you know, street right. signs or whatever. And, right. you know, you may get in trouble, but it's a small fine to pay for marketing your own, you know, your own material. Mm -hmm. And on to our next question, um, Staten Rabin has asked, I see you've done a couple of period pieces, Green Book, of course, um, Robin mm -hmm. Hood. Are you still open to period pieces if they're really dynamic and relevant? 100%. Period pieces, I think, allow there to be... Um, a tap into like a creative model. I mean, you have cross-platform, everyone gets involved into how to tell that story, you know, correctly and authentically, you know, and this is where that creative juice and that muscle and that talent just starts to really just percolate and flow where you can't dial it in. You know, you know that you're doing a capture, you know, a, a capture in time. And I think one of the great things that we all seem to always gravitate towards, I think as an audience is, the historical content to something period and i think that's what appeals to a lot of uh, filmmakers appeals it to myself is that you know being able to tell that story accurately correctly mm -hmm. is something that it always just feels like you're really making something you know it, it just feels so real and that's where that craftsmanship just comes in and just it's you know it's it's one of those joys you get out of it because it's you know, it's easy to sit there and I'm not belittling it to sit there and say, okay, we're going to go and pull something off the rack and that's wardrobe. But when you start really designing wardrobe, designing props, designing picture vehicles, you know, layering them in the set dressing, everything seems to be a component that has to be meticulously thought out. And that's what filmmaking is where, you know, we're all thinking about what's in that frame, what's in every aspect of it. 
But I think there's times where, you know, because it's if it's contemporary, it's easy to forget about what's in the background or what's deep in the background. But when it's period, you're looking deep in the background and like, okay, that needs to go or how do we hide that or how do we cheat it? Yeah. So it, it's it's such a great um, creative tool that I just feel like, you know, just explores all avenues. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard a few times that period pieces, there might be some hesitancy on, um, you know, a company to take it on because they typically are bigger budget. And um, how do you get past that hurdle of, you know, someone reading a script and going, oh, nope, that's going to be too much money to make. <laughs> <laughs> that's a small way of thinking on it, honestly. You know what I mean? Because, okay, let's use Green Book. We were, you know, I think they have, it, have us at 23 million to make that, which was less. So I always sit there and go, no, 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 we made it for a lot less than that. Um, and everyone thought that was unrealistic to make, you know, a period piece at that time. And again, a lot of it was just being very smart and meticulous about what you were shooting and what those angles were. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is a knee-jerk reaction because I think everyone gets scared and intimidated by it, you know, because there is a lot that has to go into a lot of thought, but it can be done for a cost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, again, one of the things that drives period piece telling is storytelling is, okay, your exterior locations, that's always gonna be a dead giveaway the interiors dressing that you can do and you can control, but you can also control the exterior. And there's a lot of ways to, you know, to have your establishing shots be, you know, wide enough that it sells where you are, what time period you are, and then you cut to an interior. And then that's where you're in a lot more controlled environment. Mm -hmm. It's a misnomer to sit there and say that, you know, it's going to cost more to do period because realistically it actually costs less. You can mm -hmm. really do it for a cost. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. There are so many people out there I know that want to make those films. And so that's yeah. very encouraging uh, to actually have technical advice on how to um, get over that hurdle, the budget hurdle. Because, um, of course, we the stories need to be told. <laughs> All stories. Yeah. Um, next question from um, Anthony Nicolau. Can you please discuss some of the different positions you had in between an office PA and now as an executive in Netflix and the responsibilities of those positions on the projects. How did you get to be so, so, <laughs> <laughs> so successful, basically? Um, you want to know what it was? It was literally just wanting to be in the industry. So I think the first couple of films and projects I was involved with, I was not paid for. Um, one was literally given equipment, was not given any money they said look we'll give you a you know here's some equipment here's a time slot we'll put you on on community channel i think it was like the summer whatever when no one would watch it and then the first opportunity to be an office pa someone said look they're looking for someone to do this to be basically be a runner and one of my friends said i would never do that that's beneath me and i went i'm sorry so you're telling me i get to get paid to be in an industry that i'm trying to get into and learn at the same time and everyone went yeah and i went sign me up. I'm your guy. And yeah. then that became a model for everything I've done, even to this day, is to always learn and understand and grow. So it went from office PA, uh, one point locations, at one point props, uh, production management, you know, uh, production supervisor, then production management. Uh, um, I'm trying to figure out what else. There was a couple other steps where it just kind of dive, went this way a little bit, 
yeah, even wardrobe, I think, for a minute. And the funny thing about all that is that you get an understanding of what everyone has to do to make a movie. Right. And I've always felt that, A, everyone said, would you do it over? What would you do over again? I'd say nothing. Yeah. Because starting from the bottom and working your way up, you get, at, first of all, as a PA, you get access to everything on a movie set, which I think no one understands. You know, it gets very territorial, especially with unions and guilds, mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, no, you can't touch this. You can't do this. And yes, I came up at a time where, you know, you what you want to help here, grab that, do this. And I would be eager to grab something, do it and just run with it. And I think having that access to like, even just have dialogues or conversations with a prop master, with a costume supervisor, with a production designer, you know, art director, you start to really start broadening your horizons and understanding mm -hmm. what everyone's doing. And then you start wanting to focus in on, you know, how do you bring this all together? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it has to do with be a sponge, always be a sponge. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I pride myself on, even like right now to this day, there's so many things that are changing. We're in a transitional period, I think, in this industry mm -hmm. where everyone's trying to figure out, okay, what is the balance between theatrical, streaming, you know, mm -hmm. are there other platforms out there that's being overlooked? So it's all kind of evolving and it's, it's a little bit messy, but everyone's still trying to figure it out. Right. And I think that's great because when you're in the, the middle of that mess and that chaos, that's where all the creative juices start to flow. And that's where everyone starts trying to figure out, okay, how can I get ahead or how can I drive that? Mm -hmm. And I think um, paths that I've taken along the way has always been to get whatever job I could yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. And literally just excel at it, you know? Mm -hmm. I went to even, I was like a director's assistant, producer's assistant. Those were phenomenal because now I'm seeing a different aspect of, you know, the filmmaking, of what the filmmakers go through, mm -hmm. how people prep, like, when I was a producer's, uh, sorry, director's assistant, seeing how directors, you know, prepped movies was just amazing to me because all directors did it differently. Mm. You know, um, one who became a really good friend, Tom McLaughlin, who, you know, did some of the horror films, was one who would ask me to help him with, you know, how he would prep, he would prep films, right down to um, um, Robert Townsend, um, the late Gregory Hines, when he did a film, there were so many people and they all had different avenues as to how they prepared for a movie. You know, one was they needed to hear it. You know, I remember Robert Townsend, he heard that I was writing and he literally said, well, you have to hear it. And I never even thought about that. That makes total sense. I go out, well, what do you mean? He goes, get as many people you can in a room, give them all parts and just listen to the movie, have them. It's, you know, it's basically a table read. Mm -hmm. But I've always thought a table reads is something you do when the film is finished and you're about to go to camera. Right. He taught me like you have to hear it because in your head, what you hear in your head isn't necessarily what's being articulated orally, you know, in the real world. Mm -hmm. And you will hear nuances. And even if someone does it wrong or differently, just your brain hearing, oh, wait a minute. I never saw that or heard it that way yes you know so now you're writing making all these notes and changes right right and i think <laughs> those are the th sorry go ahead right. no i was just gonna say as soon when, as soon as someone speaks something and brings Correct. life to it that's when you know oh that sounds right or that doesn't sound right or oh i didn't expect that yeah and then you get those blessings where you have 
you know, whoever the readers, because like, look at one of the things we did was got was like just extras that came in that were reading. I was like, whoever we could find, I was shocked at how many people were willing to read and do it free just to sit down and do it. And then I learned the secret of filmmaking is pizza. Um, yeah. You can get you can get a lot of people <laughs> to do things for free with pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I, you and should I think, oh, no, <laughs> some pizza yeah. in the room. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I love what you're saying because it's it's really not it's it's a it's a mindset really how how you approach it and and, and how you can um, build your career in the industry, which is you know are you paying your dues or are you learning and growing, and yes. then doing yourself a service because you're you know you're you're just learning and and but you're also becoming more valuable um a hundred percent i've had a lot of look i've had a lot of times where people will come to sets or whatever and it'll be young filmmakers or students and you know i remember one time i was a production supervisor and they saw the stack of paperwork was po's and all the stuff that i had to do and i was going through and i explained to them you know what i was doing in a day and all the kids went, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds like way too much work. And I go, well, what do you want to be? And they're like, I just want to be the director. I'm oh. like, going, hey, you're going to have to learn about all this because one of those things that, you know, you find is that when people don't know how to make decisions, like it's because they don't have that knowledge, that base, that, you know, that groundation of what it is. And what I mean by that is that it's easy to sit there and have all the money in the world and go, yeah, I want that. And then someone goes and gets it. That's everyone's dream. Sure. It's not a reality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And even when you have the most money on a, you know, your biggest film, there, there is going to come a moment where someone, you know, if they're really good at their job, as a creative or a director, you're looking at it, you're saying, I want to do this. And then they go, okay, great. We can give you that, but you're going to have to give up something else, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And the instant you start to realize there's a cost to every decision, you start to then valuing, you know, what those decisions are. Mm -hmm. because I look at it, it's, it's, it's a probably a bad term. I'm not sure I should say it now, but there's a term I always use when, you, you know, we're it. trying to really get, we're trying to get to the heart of a problem with, mm -hmm. a, you know, with someone that's very creative and they're very set in their ways. And I go, okay, then go for their baby. Right. So, <laughs> so you go for the one part. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> but you go for that one part that they're, they're very precious. They hold very dear to. Yes. And the instant they see that that could be taken away, it's like, oh, wait a minute. And then their brains and everyone starts to like really collectively think, all right, if this is the key essential element that needs to drive the storytelling, mm -hmm. what supports that? Well, that's this part, these other avenues. Mm -hmm. Okay, what then grows that? Well, this. And then you start getting a little bit wider. And mm -hmm. now you start getting into what, you know, what we would say would end up on a, end up on a cutting room floor. What's fat? What's like, you know, mm -hmm. what are the things that you don't really need? And you start to realize that, oh, I don't need to worry about that mm -hmm. because all of what I'm concentrating on, I worked with a, with a director um, who we had a lot of conversations, David Talbert. We'd have a lot of conversations about this one scene. And because everyone talked about snow outside the window, his great fear was the snow falling. It was on a machine or it was VFX. And it became this whole way too long dialogue about snow. And I said, why are you fixating yourself on the snow? Mm -hmm. What tells and what drives the story? And then we just went into this whole conversation about um, what the story was about, what he wanted to get out. And I go, well, focus on that and shoot that. We'll do with that nonsense, however that's done on the outside. Sure. You shouldn't worry about it. And at the end of the day, when you see the shooting and all, when he, when he blocks it and you see it, you know, 
yeah, it's snowing, but that's not the story. Right. You know, right. The story was, you know, this little girl and her coming to terms with who she is and her discovery. And, you know, I think we always have a tendency to fixate on things, almost like our own brain trying to distract us from, you know, mm-hmm. our own um, fears. If you want to, I want to necessarily call it fears, mm-hmm. but our own anxieties on, mm-hmm. you know, how do I get that story across? Because, you know, when we have these moments where you're trying to figure something out, you're like, okay, I'm freaking out over this. It's easy to go, okay, forget that. Let me talk about this because that's the easier solve at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times is what drives or what moves that story. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the avenue? How do you want to tell that story? That's the focal point. That's mm-hmm. the baby you want to hold on to. Everything else is shoe leather. I actually love that you use that metaphor, the baby, because I think, you know, writers or creatives, you can be very protective of the thing that you've created. And, yes. and that everything around them, that environment has to be protected so that the story can come forth and, and, and be told. But in, in actuality, it's it's like you said, it's it's what truly needs to be protected in here to to, you know, to tell this story. Yeah, there's a lot of times we all get caught up in, you know. All the you know, all the surrounding noise, if you want to call it, and there's like a very basic linear story that. You know, that one thread, that's, this is what's telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to get distracted. I think that's where our frustrations comes in mm-hmm. is once we start getting distracted, then we fall down this hole of distraction on top of distraction on top of distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle, I love that conversation. <laughs> Michelle uh, has another question. Does it help to tag Netflix or other streamers and social posts when you're trying to push your project on social media? Do they actually notice this? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it, you should do that, but um, it doesn't hurt. Honestly, like the reality is there's look at at the most someone's going to sit there and say, wait, that's not ours or whatever. But, you know, tagging it, if, if it's done correctly, it's it's bringing notice or attention to something. And, you know, you have all the streaming platforms, all the companies, they have a social brand, like, you know, a team that dealt that, you know, that's all into the whole, look at, I'm telling my age, that's all into the social world and realm of it all. And yeah, someone's going to notice. So it doesn't hurt. Like even, even filmmakers, even studios, whatever it is that you're trying to go after, John, if if you want someone to just take a look, I'm not saying they're always going to take a look or someone's going to take a look, but it really doesn't hurt. You know, it's unless you're not being destructive and it literally is, you know, God, I would love, like, I have someone that tags me for stuff that they do. I don't know how they, you know, and it's, I'm always like, you know, okay, okay. And then, you know, odd times like, wait, that's pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're just messing around with a lot of shorts. Not not even a lot of shorts, but just stuff that they, you know, they shoot with their iPhone or whatever they're shooting it with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does start a conversation. So, you know, all you really want to do is start a conversation. And, you know, it's not guaranteeing anything. But if something can trigger or start a conversation, why not? We're probably gonna get in trouble for that. <laughs> I know we are. Maybe you're gonna call. What were you thinking? Um, so um, I always like to ask this question: Do you have anything you're watching right now that you love that really is speaking to you or compelling? Um, I'm trying to figure out, like when we say like TV, like on streaming or some of the platforms. 
Yeah. Let's see. Uh, well, look, I guess I you saw... can't say anything on Hulu, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm sitting there editing everything in my head right now. I go, I not did that. Just see... Not that. Yeah, <laughs> I did just see Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. But okay, look at I, I look at it. It's look at it. It's all fine. We all understand that it's it's all one big family, and it's it's not a huge competition, even though a lot of people say it is. Andor, you know, which is which is on Disney Plus. That's Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I do like how the storytelling, you know, has. I love the story and I love the style of it. It's very traditional Star Wars. If that, you know, it's going back to almost like its roots. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of the previous um, shows that were done on like what's called the volume. You know, where it's an, a complete LED world or wall, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's technology that's really growing. And I think, you know, this generation is going to kick ass with it. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone's still trying to figure out when to use it, when not to use it. And then Andor went back to pretty, pretty much traditional location, set pieces, builds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, Tony Gerwig, I, I believe, is, you know, a showrunner, one of the writers and directors of it. So there's always going to be that aesthetic, but it's it's just real interesting to watch that that um, you know, which I think I just saw the finale uh, this weekend. But mm -hmm. yeah, you do have that. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because everything else I'm beginning to think about is like, oh, that's off. That <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and so there's a great one coming on Netflix. Look, let me just do a Netflix plug. Uh, Slumberland, which story-wise, you know, is there. There is a good story through line there that I don't want to give it away, but that's something that I'm really curious to see how everyone responds to. Mm, when's that coming out? That comes out in I think two or three weeks. Oh, okay, soon. Okay, we'll watch yeah. for it. And so um, the the thing you were talking about was with the and or and and getting back to it. What did you mean by traditional star wars roots is there a way to tell a story or is it the fact that they do it on location and and they were doing it they were doing it primarily on so a lot of what has happened there is that they've gone through a volume a volume to tell you know to help tell the stories to create their stories mm -hmm. um and that's as a physical tool that they're using mm -hmm. um and if you look at and there's a the story just seems to be very well fleshed out where it goes off like, you know, everyone has a story piece, a character development that's all happening per episode. They're all coming together and they've gone to traditional, you know, locations and set builds mm -hmm. to really, it's almost like they kind of steered a little bit away from the digital realm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> no, which that's what I'm saying. Like when you're old school, like me, mm -hmm. um, seeing that that you're sitting there going okay look you you know like there's look at there's stuff that you can't get away from of course but it's very story driven yes and it just you just feel it in the texture and the feel everything just feels so you know you just it just absorbs it you just completely yes. jump into it very immersive yeah um genevieve wants to know uh she says i'm a production manager line producer but stepped into screenwriting four years ago how do I approach execs without hindering the relationship? I've won a bunch of awards, but have never crossed that line, crossed the line. So you've won a bunch of awards for your screenwriting? Oh, I guess you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's the thing. I think one of the things I think that the skill set that, you know, she has right now is as a writer with 
the production management line producer background, well, you'll have the ability to to pretty much budget the film. So mm -hmm. like, you know, so you wrote, wrote something, you could almost present a script budget and board. So the schedule, the budget. So at least you can have an idea of how much that film is going to cost. Mm -hmm. And look at, I know everyone's looking, when you usually sell a script to a, a company, they will make an assessment on how much that film costs. They will sit there and do their own analysis, but they also want to hear what you think that film will cost. Because look at the, the scary and sad thing is never under budget your own film, mm. you know, cause I always joke and say, be careful what you ask for. You might get it because mm -hmm. if you under budget your own film and someone goes, okay, I want you to try and make it, you know, make it for that. Not say try, but they'll say, okay, we want you to make it for that. And then you realize at an early stage, damn it, I need more. And then you have to go back to the well. Then it shows your inexperience. Then it shows, you know, your weakness. And that's where it becomes problematic. So I think at least have in your mind, all right, this is what it costs to make this movie that I just read, that I just wrote. Um, this is on the high end because you're going to have, you know, whatever level talent or actors involved. But make sure you're, you know, you're using all the tools that you have. The history prior to screenwriting, use everything you've learned mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to reach out. I really do believe that, you know, I'm sure you've made connections along the way. Mm -hmm. And I had someone tell me once, listen, Kwame, you get access to me once, right? <laughs> Which was funny. So when you come, don't come with anything half-assed. Come with something that's real. If you don't believe in it, if you just want to do it, or if this is just get rich quick scheme or whatever, do not bring it my way because someone will feel that. And if it's like, if it's not real, then it gets pushed aside. So you want to really believe in what it is, thoroughly thought it out, um, did everything to really just try it and have passion for it. Mm -hmm. Because everyone will sense if it's just something you're doing to try and make some money. And I understand that we all need to live and pay rent and, you know, that's a fact of life. Mm -hmm. But too many people try to game the system mm -hmm. and a lot of people pick up on that quick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your passion for the story. Um, let's see. Michelle has another question. Were you able to go on stage to accept the Oscar? If so, please describe that moment and what was the rest of your night like and how did the win impact your career? Um, yes, I was able to go on stage, so if you, uh, I can't even show um, If you look at the photo, I'm on the right side. Every time we've had an award, so we got the Golden Globe, um, uh, Producers Guild Award, and then the Academy Award. So I was on stage for all, all of them, and my mother's greatest criticism was that I look like I'm a bouncer or security. Because <laughs> oh, I just no. stayed off to the side. <laughs> killer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Oh, She's like, why the hell did she move closer? Yeah. Um, it was the, the Academy Awards. It was, first of all, it's phenomenal. It was crazy. Um, you don't realize how fast everything moves. Mm. So the night was torture right up until that moment because everyone, it's almost like a sporting event. Everyone's talking about momentum. So at one point it was Roma has a momentum. Oh, no, it's going to be Roma. Um, then somebody else had momentum. Oh, no, it's going to be that. And it just kept doing this whole little dance. Because I think prior to it, we won, Mahershala got the supporting actor. We also got screenplay. 
And then everyone's like, oh, no momentum's in your way. And now you're just like, okay, you're just like, someone tell me something. I think, uh, you know, Alfonso Cuaron got director. So then you're like, oh, no, the momentum just shifted back to Roma. Yeah. And you're sitting there on pins and needles. The great thing is, is everyone understands, you know, <laughs> understood the assignment. Because when we were sitting in the seat, everyone, I don't know anybody that was in our row. I think I had Linda and um, Chris Bauer. Linda was our actress. Um, and Chris, we were sitting together. And then everyone said, listen, if they call your name, we're going to get up and get out of the way. you got to run to there and go down the aisle, right? Oh, wow. And we're like, okay, everyone is strategically planning it. And then when they said it, it almost felt like, uh, I think it was Julia Roberts was was the presenter. I felt like she paused for like about two minutes. And you're like, what? What is it? What is it? But it wasn't. It was like a second. <laughs> everyone rose, made space. And then Linda had this big red flowing long train dress. And all anyone, all you're concerned about is tripping. So I held her, I grabbed the dress, or we're all, she grabbed the dress, I'm holding her, and we're all stepping, and I'm trying to step over the dress oh, so wow. I don't step on it and trip her. And then you rush down, we all rush up on stage. Um, and it was just almost a blur because everything is just moving. So fast. And then, so fast. And then it became a business, right? That I think after, so even after all the all the other awards, um, when you go backstage, you get rushed through press lines. You do all this uh, photographs, you know, all that stuff. Then it went to um, the governor's ball. Mm. So you go in and that's where everyone eats for the first time. So everyone just pigs out. So that's kind of starving. funny because everyone's starving. So everyone just eats. And that's where, you know, the photos are taken again. But then it became where I said it becomes a business is um, then it became meeting with distributors, meeting with everyone, you know, that were at far reach, that were involved. Then we got whisked to our production company's party, then whisked to another party. And it was just event after event after event to the point where it came down to, okay, let's have fun. I remember they're like, I think we we're supposed to go to the um, Vanity Fair thing. Mm -hmm. And this was like about two or something in the morning. And I live um, in Santa Monica and we're driving and there was like a huge lineup, a queue to get into the party of just, town cars suvs these are all you know and i went is that the line to get and they went yeah and i go well it goes almost a mile down and comes back they're like yeah i go take me home i'm exhausted this i'm yeah. done oh my gosh yeah <laughs> you know yeah. but it, it was it was it was amazing because um everything that happened was just all planned and i started to realize that you know when you're a part of that, like I, it was so much going on that the one thing that my neighbors, my sister, everyone got mad at, I forgot the gift bags. You know mm. how they're known for their gift bags and all these yes, things. Yes, like, right. Yeah, never got oh, it, you know. Man. Not even <laughs> everyone the was like, gift bag and I got the Oscar. <laughs> everybody was upset. Like, how did, and everyone would tell me what was in. I go, guys, never had a moment to like stop. It was like, and you know, because you would have like almost like a handler. And they're like, nope, you got to go to this now. Okay, now you got to go to the car. You got to go. And it was it's always moving, moving, moving. But it's um, it's phenomenal. It's it's exhausting, phenomenal, and um, All such things. a privilege. Yeah, such a privilege. I mean, it it, it truly is a privilege and an honor. Um, is there uh, is there a certain genre that Netflix is looking to stream right now? 
I wouldn't say there's a genre. Um, no, because look at it's a, it's a global company, so yeah. the platform's global, you know, and it, it's it's very you know something for everyone. Um, so no, there's no genre per se to sit there and say that's all we're doing because it's it's too broad. It really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. um, and Staten Robbins asking, is there a way? Um, or through our reps, we can get in touch with you and we can offer pizza. <laughs> just saying. Smart man. Yeah. Um look at I I look at I I do oversee physical production. Um no, I'm I'm accessible. I mean, like, look at it, it's for for dialogues. I think this is a great medium. Um, but yeah, if you have a rep, reach out. I'm fine. Okay. Okay. I have a full um, calendar, so it's 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 getting that time, but we'll see. It's fine. We'll see. Um, have you have you catered to a limited series, and are they harder to sell to execs versus a feature? Um, I am on the feature side, so the series I have found from friends that um, there seems to be a lot of interest or demand for um, series just because it's a longer run you know so it it does satisfy a need for um you know multiple days or if you're gonna you know if you're gonna binge it and the feature side it's it is very traditional it's it's in that same model that we're used to where you know it's like an hour and a half two hours of storytelling mm -hmm. so you really got to be very you know concise as to what the story is and what you're telling and how you're telling that story um but no i've heard people have it feels it's funny because every time you you run into someone that's that says they're film only then they go down the series path they're like oh wow this is a great medium and then they come back mm -hmm. and i think what you'll find is that a lot of filmmakers or showrunners or you know just creatives whatever best tells your story mm -hmm. you know there are moments where you know you need the time to flesh out or tell that story over multiple episodes Mm -hmm. And then there is that, how do I make a movie? Because that's, you know, that's that whole thing that we're all very passionate about. How do I make that movie that not only does my family see on a platform or in a theater, you know, it captivates you for like, you know, a period of time. And I always sit there and say, the one thing I love about films is that you're a captive audience. I always yeah. sit there and say, before I go in, I take my brain, I check it at the door. Mm -hmm. And then I just allow you, whoever that filmmaker is, or whatever the movie is, to have me and just, you know, just do what they want with, you know, the time. Mm -hmm. I just saw this weekend Wakanda. That's, I think it was two hours and 45 minutes. It did not feel that way at all yeah. because, yeah. you know, you were just sit there immersed in everything that they had done. It's it's just beautiful. I love I love the medium. I love filmmaking. I think it's just great. Have you seen The Woman King? Yes. Oh my mm -hmm. God. Just every minute I was just, it's like you say, you're immersed and you yeah. just hand yourself over to the experience. And I went with my son and yeah, he's you know a teenager and he loved it. So it is, it is, it was what I loved about it was I went, in, I don't know, I went in thinking something different and the story was, it was just so well told. Mm -hmm. It just went down and then when it just, it just turned and it was just, I loved it. I mean, I felt so, you know, I look, I always love when you come out of a movie and you want to start being the characters in that film. 
Mm -hmm. Right? You know, yeah. And I realized I'm a grown ass man. I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I need to just you know? stop for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and you talked about earlier about making, uh, you know, period piece films. And and I know Viola Davis fought so hard for that film so long. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we talk about sometimes in these um, networking sessions is it takes a while to make the film that you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I've, I've been fortunate that. And it's funny, I, I've, I think, again, going through PA and producer assistant, director assistant, I think I've done three or four movies with Viola. And I remember we one time had dinner. Um, we were doing a film in uh, Spain and we had dinner. And I was just picking her brain. She's like, first of all, the most beautiful person you'll meet. And the one thing that I remember she said is that she loves her craft. Mm -hmm. She goes, Kwame, and I know, you know, again, get somebody in trouble now. She goes, I love my craft. I don't care if it's theater, uh, community play, TV, feature film, whatever. I just love to act. Mm -hmm. And if I can just keep acting and act, I'm always going to, you know, go down that path. And you just see it with her career and what she brings to films and what she brings to TV shows. What she brings is literally, you know, someone who just becomes that character. You can tell. And you, you feel that. It's palpable when she when you watch her perform. yeah 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 and I, and I and i think look at that's something that we should all take away from is like you see a lot of people talk about oh no i only do this medium i only do that and you know they lock themselves or they feel they need to be locked into something mm -hmm. get out of that whatever you can do to tell a story i mean like look at that's what we're in we're in a storytelling medium mm -hmm. and whatever you whatever you can find whatever vehicle or vessel to tell that story mm -hmm. um use it you know, because all it does is make you better because then you start, you know, again, you keep learning from everything you do. You have mistakes, you know, um, and you learn, you know, what you're going to do next differently, mm -hmm. you know, and how to evolve and grow. Evolve and grow. Yeah. And and so thinking about, I mean, you're producing, you love producing, you're, you're fantastic at producing. Do you ever feel pulled in other directions? Like, I want to keep writing. I want to do directing like do you ever feel you're pulled in multiple directions or yeah all the time I mean like I think when I first started out I started out with all aspirations to be a director you know <laughs> writing I've always had this I want to I want to direct what I've written I used to write a lot and directing and then it just everything just pushed me into more producing you know pulling it together figuring it out and I think yeah there's always moments or times where I sit there and go I gotta go back and you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. direct or write. Um, so all the time, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it all depends. Like you know, there's there's moments that I just fall in love with. Um, you know, when you're uh, when you're watching them score a film or, or the mix, and you're you're in that room and you have like an entire orchestra just you know playing to whatever the film is on the screen and all that. I always get chills yeah. and there's always a moment where I sit there and go, okay, this is why, I mean, I become like, you know, a 12 year old. I literally just sit there with a smile mm -hmm. and it's just fun and you get chills on your back and your arms and, you know, the goosebumps and you're just sitting there going, oh wait, this is, this is great. I want to do that. I want to be the cello player. I want to play that. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think it stops. I mean, I think, I don't think it ever stops and it shouldn't stop because that just means, you know, you're you're doing what you feel passionate about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is why you go to it. You go and you sit in a theater and you go, oh, this is why. Yeah, 
no, there's so many moments, right? Like to your point, you sit, you're in that movie theater and the noise hits you and everything and it's just coming at you and you're just like, yeah, I'm being taken away like, right now. Like Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> that sound and you go, oh my God, I'm in for a great ride. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so we have about uh, seven minutes left and I want to encourage everybody to ask more questions. And this is your time with Kwame. You've got to use this well. You can pick his brain. Um, and so... Uh, words of wisdom right now for someone who is, um, you know, furiously writing and wanting to get uh, seen, you know, for you and your experience and how you've tried different things and um, been open to different experiences, what are some key things you want to impart for someone who's, who's wanting to have their stories told? Um, be stubborn. And, and here's this, this is honestly... So we're sitting there, you're talking about what I've experienced or, or seen and learned along the way. Some of the greatest filmmakers, directors that I've worked with are so stubborn that they will not be moved. And then, you know what I mean? And it's one of those things that even if you're producing or you're, you know, a production executive, it's frustrating. But that stubborn rigidness mm -hmm. literally is where that genius comes and, and really goes to. And I think one of the things I remember when I used to write, I had this, and I was a lot younger, many generations ago, but I wrote this script that everyone just gravitated towards it. Everyone would talk about it. Hmm. And I realized the biggest mistake I made as it evolved was I took everyone's notes. Hmm. So I remember, I, and then I went to one student and they were like, oh, no, and they would tell me some stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, got it. And I just instantly went in and wrote those notes and I'd handed somebody else. And I go, oh, okay, got it. And I instantly handed it up. And then I took so much input right? right without and i just took it literally at betum they just let it come in and changed everything to a point where i remember i gave a script and i got the first real harsh negative feedback or criticism about it mm -hmm. and i was like and it shocked me it's like everyone loves this everyone would sit there and say they cried and then i you know and it you i reread it and realized oh this isn't my movie you know because it became i became i wanted to please so many people Mm -hmm. to try and get the story told which i didn't realize that everyone that gave me some kind of feedback or critical some kind of criticism not criticism but they were critiquing it to a degree of saying well you know you should do this or whatever they weren't saying you should do this and i'm going to buy your script mm -hmm. they were just giving me some info but i was just taking it as oh i should do this it'll make it better right you know and that will take me to the next step that will take me to the next step when it took me so far off track yeah. that it no longer became a you know a good piece of material. Mm -hmm. And I always think about, you know, when I look at very talented filmmakers, if I was just as stubborn as they are now, would I, you know, would that film have been made? Mm -hmm. Because it would have been like, yeah, great. I hear you. Not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. Great. You know, good to know. Mm -hmm. Still, mm -hmm. you don't understand because it's a lot of times you will hear filmmakers say things. Yeah. Well, you just don't get it. And you're like, well, that's arrogant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, that is. But, but, you know what I mean? But that's one of those things where you start to realize that, you know, they've taken that that path for a reason and it is to tell a story. And stories are always, you know, an evolutionary process for an individual, for a team. You know, the instant you, let's say you get a script and that's made, the collaborative process becomes so huge 
because mm. that starts driving. I always sit there and say you have the writing is one aspect of it. The directing or, you know, the filmmaking of the film is one aspect of it. And then the writing again becomes the editing of it. That's another aspect of it. And then, you know, the icing again is, you know, the post period. But those are three to four different times where that story is going to change for the better, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So if you're still focusing on the writing aspect, mm -hmm. be stubborn about it. Because the directing part, you're going to be stubborn about it. Editing, that's where, okay, you if you're really good, you could be stubborn. But that's where it starts to sway because it is so amazing, especially when you have good editors, to see how you can give them dailies. You can give them you know um, storyboards. You can give them the script. And then they give you something back and you go, oh, well, I don't know. Uh, that's different. You know? Yeah. And it's and it's how the pieces were laid in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, again, you have to almost pull your ego out, step back and go, OK, that's I like what you did there. I don't like what you did there. And that's where you go back into your stubbornness and you start really, OK, this is the story I wanted to tell. Right. And retell that story. So it's always going to get shaken and undone. And it's just literally understanding and learning how to uh mm -hmm. stand your ground and it feels like you just came full circle to when our first conversation talking about protecting your baby and yes. and really you know what is the essence what is the thing that i want to have told here and um for that not to be you know changed form in any way um, 100%. yeah and we have two more questions before we go um what do you um, what do you look for to select your projects good story <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's, it's so easy to read something and go oh yeah you know but mm -hmm. to read something a green book is a great example when i close that script right i said come hell or high water i'm making this movie yeah and the movie had gone around the entire town everyone passed on it um everyone said it was you know you had other reasons why I don't even know why, but everyone said why it couldn't be done. And mm -hmm. yet cost was, it was, you know, you needed more money couldn't be done for that number. And I was like, no, we can do this. And yeah. I think, you know, the story and how it spoke to me, I think it spoke to others, you know, that's the thing that always just is the first engaging trigger point. That mm -hmm. first impression, your first impression is going to be that script. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, Michelle's asking, how much money can one expect Netflix to pay for films and series <laughs> by unknowns? How much? I have no idea. I am not answering that question. Um, look at that's that's all a conversation that will happen with your if your agent, your rep, and you know, yeah, I am not giving you a number. What are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> um Okay, well, you know what, on that note, we're actually all wrapped up for today. And I, and I wanted to thank you so much for, uh, you know, sharing all your wisdom and, and just all the experience you have. And um, everyone, by the way, has always said, please say thank you. So for every question that you answered, they want you to know that they're very grateful. And um, again, Kwame, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, thank you for being here at the Big Apple Film Festival. Thank you. And good luck, guys. Just stay at it. It's going to be fun. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye now. Appreciate it.